do um, a living room. I know you're all cold this morning, so we wanted to uh, give you some warmth. We are uh, starting a new series, but I wanted to just kind of take you into my little home this morning. It's kind of what every night's like for me. And um, before each season of a church, we seek the Lord as, an, as a leadership team and just say, God, we don't want to just preach a word. We want to give the right word for the right season. And so we were, we were seeking the Lord on our elder retreat. And the phrase that clearly came to me was keep the home fires burning. Okay. Now, if you've heard the phrase, keep the home fires burning before, would you raise your hand? Okay, that's actually surprising. That's about a third of the room. Uh, that comes from a 1914 song that was sung at the time of World War One. And so let me give you a... Who, who likes history in this room? Would you raise your hand if you're... Oh, okay, wow, we got a lot of historians in the room. When the soldiers... This was actually in Britain when the soldiers were marching off into World War One. There was a song that came out and... We thought about playing it for you, but it's like, that kind of song. And so we thought, spare you, but it's all about when the boys are marching off to war, keep your homes in order and keep the home fires burning so that they have something to return to, that they have something to fight for. And as we researched that, we thought, okay, that's just perfect for what's been going on for us as a church, because this spring, as we've said before, has just been a, a phenomenal time, right? We, we started with our World Mandate West series. I mean, our World Mandate West conference had just hundreds and hundreds of people come and got really supercharged about what God's doing in the nations. After that, and Jim Yost, if you remember Jim Yost, he was the long-haired guy that kept flipping his hair back and said, kick them out, church, saying things like that. And so... We got people out to the streets. We multiplied a bunch of our life groups. A, a, a lot of people come, came to Christ. It was really exciting. Then we deployed 250 people on four charter buses down to Mexico. Uh, if you went on that trip, give me a little wave. So there was just a lot of people. We actually canceled church this Sunday, and then the rest of the church was praying. And miracles on the street, a couple hundred people coming to Christ. Uh, it, that was amazing as well. And then we ramped up for Easter. We passed out 3,000 cards. Uh, you guys just showed up in mass to just say, hey, we're going to get the, the news out about what Jesus has done. At Easter, had a huge response of salvation. Just did a big baptismal service last night. What, what I'm trying to say is, or two Sundays ago, we've had an amazing spring of doing exploits with God. Right? There's an old song that says, onward Christian soldiers marching on for God. And that is a clear analogy we see in scripture is that we are not just living this kickback life, but we're, we're moving forward with God, believing that we're driving back the hordes of hell, believing that the gates of hell won't prevail against us. It's really exciting. However, if we don't keep the home fires burning, if we don't keep our homes in order, if we don't build God-centered personal lives, and that's what the series is all about, building God-centered personal lives, then we can find that the amazing victories we have on the outside are undone by the sin or the 
the shambles that our internal lives can fall into. You, you've all seen the stories where this pastor or this speaker was doing amazing things for God, but then you find out that he was having an affair or that his life, his marriage ended in divorce or his children walked away from God. We've all seen those things. You've probably even known someone that said that they were a Christian, but then had this hidden life that comes out. You go, what in the world? You just totally dishonored God. And so that's what we want to do is we want to talk for the next weeks Uh, numerous weeks, we're going to be talking about keeping the home fires burning, talking about our personal lives, talking about our relationships, talking about parenting, uh, talking about our marriages, talking about how to relate to your parents, Uh, all all different aspects of our home and our home life. And, And, you know, you might think, hey, I'm single, I don't have a marriage, or I don't have children right now, but all of us have a home life. And that's what we want to dive into today. And when I was just launching into my job, my career as a pastor, I I joined this team of really passionate young men and women. There were about eight of us on this campus ministry staff. Our whole vision was to reach Baylor University with the gospel, disciple young people, and then deploy them into all different sectors of society, many to the mission field, many into the, the sphere of business and medical field and teaching. And we were just trying to raise up revivalists to go into all sectors of society. And what I saw was that kind of one by one on our team, people started having breakdowns. Uh, they didn't know how to live their marriage in in the midst of trying to do their job of reaching the campus, or they didn't know what does it look like now that we have children, or some people got burnt out. Some people felt guilty because they never could seem to work enough. Some people uh, just started getting frazzled and, and wanted to quit. And our lead pastor, who was my mentor, did something really, really memorable. He didn't come and teach us more about how to do ministry. He came and taught us just how to live a normal day of life. So what I want to do today to begin the series is I want to talk to you about having a God-pleasing day. If you're taking notes, we're going to talk about having a God-pleasing day. Perhaps it's a topic you've never heard a message about. Now, we're going to look in the book of Ecclesiastes. So if you turn with me in the book of Ecclesiastes to chapter 3. Ecclesiastes is one of the wisdom books, wisdom literature. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, this is, became a very popular text, not only by the Bible, but also by the Beatles. And um, I believe this is a Beatles song, I'm not the biggest Beatles guy out there. But it says this, it says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. Now skip to verse 11. Here's a key text in this passage. He, talking about God, 
has made everything beautiful in its time. He has made everything beautiful in its time. When actions are done in their correct time, it's beautiful. And I know that you wouldn't be here today if you didn't want to live a beautiful life before the Lord. If you didn't want to say, God, my time is in your hand and I want to do a life that honors you. And so when we talk about keep the home fires burning, that's what we're going to be talking about. We're not talking about how to have a nice, tidy house, although some of you young men need to hear a message on that. That will be another time. We're not talking about how to create beautiful spaces, although some of you women thought this would be the greatest series of your whole life. We're not doing a a home and garden TV series. What we're talking about is how to have your home life pleasing and honoring to God. What Jimmy, my senior pastor back at that time, taught us was there are four seasons in a year, right? Winter, spring, summer, and fall. Most of society in biblical times Uh, had an agrarian lifestyle. So they went out to the fields, and so they had a very good understanding of seasons. Unfortunately, we have lost a lot of the seasons. And in San Diego, we kind of say seasons. What are those? It's always 73 and perfect and sunny, which is awesome. And I'm not complaining. Thank you, Jesus. We can all just thank the Lord right now for San Diego. In those four seasons... People did very different things. No one, while the ground was covered in snow, went out and under the snow were planting, right? No one in the spring went out to harvest the crops, right? They were just just kind of getting right above the ground. No one in these different seasons would do the wrong things. In the same way, Jimmy taught us that a day has four seasons, Four different seasons in a day. On Ecclesiastes, we see there's a time to be silent and a time to speak. Right? There's a time to plant and a time to harvest. We, you probably experienced doing an action in the wrong time before, right? You uh, decide to start playing your guitar loudly when all your roommates are asleep. It's not a beautiful thing, Right? You can do the right action at the wrong time, and it's not a beautiful thing. So what I want to do is break a day into four different seasons for you and tell you how living out biblical principles can give you a beautiful day. Because what I find is most people live out days according to what they saw in their family of origin. That's kind of our default, right? So perhaps you came from a workaholic family, and so all you know is just a ton of work. Or perhaps the blaring TV kind of just drone out all the day. Or perhaps you came from uh, parents that never kept down jobs, and so it was more just kind of piecemealing things together. So what I want to do is, is look at Scripture and talk about four different quadrants of a day. And this is kind of an unusual morning because we're using a lot of visuals, but if we can put up part one of a God-honoring day on the screen Ah, everyone say, ah, sunrise, okay? We're going to talk about part one, the preparation time of your day. The scripture says this in Psalm 57, 7 through 8. This is David, the psalmist, talking. He says, my heart is steadfast, O 
O God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. Let's put that picture back up. Some of you have never seen this. This is called a sunrise. This is what happens around 6 a.m., okay? If you haven't ever seen this, you're really missing out. You know, some of you are automatically tuning me out and saying, Robert, I'm a night person, okay? Step off, bro. Now, I I just want to tell you, I'm a night person. My parents used to say that they could time a clock. uh, They could time, they they knew what time it was by what time I came alive. At 9.30 p.m., I just became kind of a, a little frantic poodle. Don't ever call me that. Or I'll have Nick, the worship leader, come and talk to you. Uh, I am a night person by nature, but here's what I found. When the, in the Bible, David said, I'm going to awaken the dawn. I'm going to call out to God first thing in the morning. Look at this, this scripture from Jesus. In Mark chapter 1, it says this, very early in the morning. This is Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning. Say, very early in the morning. While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. I want to tell you, living a God-honoring life, we get up in the morning, and the first thing we do is we have face time. We seek the face of God. We devote our best time in the morning to God. That's how you want to start. I want to tell you, I wake up, I get out of bed, and the first thing, man, I'm just having a bomb. I'm just being bombarded with thoughts. Has that ever happened to you? You wake up and you're like, oh, no, I do not want to pay these bills. I do not want to go to work. Oh, this part of my life is a mess. I want to tell you, men and women, that is why you want to get in the Bible. And you want to just let this, you've seen me do this a million times, but you want to just let this word wash your mind. Okay? This is the one time where brainwashing is good. You, my mind, I wake up and I can be anxious about, I can be anxious about the silliest things. And so I just need the word of God. I just, I just need to take it and I just need to start reading from the word of God. I want to tell you, just turn to the book of Psalms and just start saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You just start getting that word going. Okay, it start like, it's kind of like getting that engine going. You start getting that word going. It starts building you up. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. And then I go and I, and I pray and I pour out my heart to God and I, I pray over my day. And it's amazing when you start your day like that, how often you get God involved and you'll see the very things you pray for come to fruition during the day. The other thing I like to do is I like to wait on God about my day. Okay, God, today I have to do this at work. What are you saying about this at work? And I just listen quietly and I'll I keep my journal on my computer and I'll just write out, this is what God's saying. God, is there any, anybody you want me to contact today? Is there anything I want to do? A lot of times God will even say, Robert, you need to pay this bill. And I'll, oh, good. God is the ultimate administrator. So God is, he's very practical. As you wait on God, it prepares your day. Okay, component two of preparation time. Okay? Your mom is going to love me for this. A good breakfast. Okay? A good healthy breakfast. Your body... Is like a machine that needs fuel, right? And Cocoa Puffs are not going to do it for you, folks. Now, I'm not going to go off on this for long, but I, I just want to tell you, uh, lo- looking at this verse, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? 
Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is so much more important than this horse man middle school where we're meeting for church. Your body is church. Ooh. Whom you've received from God. You're not your own. So I'm, I'm not going to go off, and I, I know we can get super legalistic, and man, you know, are you only eating steelhead trout and all these different, you know, these, these things. I don't, I don't want to get hyper on it, but I do want to say we need to talk more about honoring our bodies as a temple and thinking about that in the morning and, and giving yourself some good sustenance, okay? Let's move to the, to the third part. Work out, okay? Look at your neighbor and say, work out! Oh, guys, not enthusiastic at all. Say, work out! Okay, there's some huge conviction on this room right now. I can tell. Okay, let me, let me tell you, why, why do we work out? Number one, our body is a temple, okay? We want to keep our bodies healthy before the Lord. You guys know, when, when you get sick, it's hard to keep staying up. In your faith, it's hard to do the things that God's called you to. When we work out, it builds up our immune system. When we work out, it strengthens this temple of God. Well, let me, let me tell you some other things. I, I don't know if you've ever dealt with anxiety. I have. It's not a fun thing. But there's some, there's some physiological reasons for dealing with anxiety. One of them is called cortisol. Okay, anyone heard of cortisol out there? Okay, this is known as a stress hormone, and what they find is these, the cortisol levels are higher in the morning. I, I remember one time I was just dealing with some major anxiety. There were all kinds of things happening, and I was dealing with some shortness of breath. I hope you've never dealt with that before, kind of dealing with some anxiety attacks. And I, I remember calling someone and saying, hey, you know, I, I'd like to go work out, but I'm dealing with shortness of breath. Should I do it? They said, Absolutely. Because that's actually going to burn off these stress hormones and, and get rid of the stress and live, let you live a more peaceful day. Here's the amazing thing is you, you burn off those stress hormones and it, it produces almost a sense of euphoria in, in you. For the next four to ten hours, researchers show that after you work out, your mind is more clear. Your body functions better. Your metabolism speeds up. I want to tell you, some of you have trouble sleeping at night. If you start working out in the morning, it helps your body relax more at night. It actually gets your circadian rhythms right. Okay? Kind of get a little scientific here. All right? Okay, so what I'm trying to tell you is that your body is the temple of God. And we want to live holistic lives of worship. Amen? Amen? Okay, let's keep going. Here, so I want to, here's one last great statistic. 90% of people who exercise regularly do it in the morning. Okay, interesting little statistic. Okay, part two, part two of the day. So we move from the preparation season of the morning to the work season. We've got a great little work picture up here for you. Now, who in here likes to work? Raise your hand. Very encouraging, okay? My dream is that we will have a church that when we ask that question, everyone will raise their hand. Because work is not a curse. Work is a blessing. God created you to work. I hear people talking all the time, you know, oh, I've got a great job. I only have to work 15 hours a week. It's great pay. You know, and I can just do whatever I want with the rest of my time. 
That's actually a really sad perspective to have because God put us on the earth to work. Look at this from Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. It said, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to, to, and take care of it. This is before the fall. This is before sin entered the world. God put us on the earth to work. He wants to give you meaningful work with your hands. Okay? Let me give you some just clear biblical principles about working. First of all, if you want to write this down, we're not going to put it up. Psalm 8.3, God works. Okay? And then God took a rest from his work on the seventh day. But it says the heavens are the work of God's hands. To work is to be acting like God. Okay, here we go. Here's some more. Proverbs 10, 11. Let's look at this. He who works his land will have abundant food, but he who chases fantasies likes judgment. When we work, God will bless us with abundance. Let's keep going. Proverbs 22, 29. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will serve before kings. He will not serve before obscure men. When you work, do it with excellence. Do it with fervor. Do it with integrity and God will promote you and God will put you before people that he's going to use you to influence. Okay, let's keep going. Proverbs 18, 9. One who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. Have you ever thought about that? Ah, I'm just going to kind of take a break today. You become like a destroyer. That's not good. Let's keep going. Colossians 3, 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Two things I see here. Work is worship to the Lord. When you're working, whatever it is, you're worshiping God. Go in. If it's data entry, data entry to the Lord. If it's washing cars, wash that car to the Lord, right? If you're selling, then do it with integrity and honor. Caring for the people that you're meeting with as unto the Lord. If it's, you're a nurse, then take, peop, take care of people as the Lord would. If you're teaching, do it as Jesus would to those students. Whatever you do, do it with all your heart as unto the Lord. And then what does it say in the bottom of that? It says this, it says, because you know you'll receive an inheritance. You'll receive a reward. From the Lord, the Lord's going to reward you. You might think, I don't get paid enough for my job. I just get, you know, nine fifty an hour and I'm working my tail off. God will reward you. God will honor your hard work. It's not about you getting your own. God is going to take care of you. You do God principles and he will fulfill his part of the deal. Amen? This is good stuff. This is going to help someone today. Here's another part of work. Another part of work is in, in your day. You're at work. You've gone to work. And this is, put, put up that beautiful work picture again. You've gone to work morning to late afternoon. You're also thinking, you know, I'm going to do the work of the kingdom. I'm not just going to do the work of my hand, which is worship unto the Lord, but I'm also going to share the gospel with people. And so God has put people in this room, in all different sectors of society. You quite likely will be the only believer they meet that day. And you're looking and saying, how can I bring the love of Jesus into the situation? 
And you're saying, how, you know, and for believers, who can I meet and disciple? And so you're looking at your lunch break. You're looking at your coffee break. You're looking at before you get to work and after work and saying, who can I meet and disciple? Jesus said, go into all nations and make disciples. It is kingdom work for all of us. So you're incorporating that into your day. All right, let's move on to part three of the day. So you've, you've had a good preparation time in the morning. You've gotten ready to go. You've gotten revved up. And then you go to work and you're pouring out your life. And you're doing it as worship to the Lord. And you've looked at the people around you. And you're discipling them. And you're sharing the gospel with people. And then you're done. And you come home and you have family time. And your family, I'm sure your little kids look just like this around the dinner table. That's exactly how my kids look, right? Actually, there's potatoes flying across the room and family time. Now, I know that most families don't look like this. But relationships, people are what matter to God. People's the one thing you can take to heaven with you. And so if you're single, you're thinking, you know, I'm not going to just do my own deal in life. I'm going to have time where I invest in my friends and I invest in my roommates and, and we get good time together. It, for me as a father, I, I'm thinking through this. I'm, I'm coming home and, and I'm, I'm immediately in my car, I'm going, okay, what do my kids need today? And I'm downshifting and I'm thinking about them now. Listen to what the book of 1 Timothy says to people who lead a church. It says this, He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? This word manage is is really interesting. I I think a lot of times we're thinking, you know, if if I'm just providing financially for my family and taking care of them that way, then, then we're set. Let me read to you this Greek word for manage is poistomai. And here are some different definitions of this word. It says to set or place before. I want to tell you that our family will be our greatest legacy. And the people you invest in. You might say, well, I'm not married. Well, your spiritual family becomes your legacy. And the people that your life intersects with. But for me, I know that Hallie, Hudson, Joshua, and John Mark, I'm praying that they far outrun me. They're really my life work, and as is my wife, Steph. To set or place before, you're coming home at the end of the day, and you're putting the people in your life before you. You're putting them before you. When it says he needs to manage his family, it's saying he needs to put them before them. Let's keep going. To superintend, to preside over. I was thinking about the superintendent of my school district. Growing up, and he knew about every aspect of our education. He knew about our sports. He knew how the finances of the school were doing. He knew about what different topics we were learning. You're, this, you're superintending your family to be a protector or a guardian. You're not just thinking, hey, I'm not going to let anybody in my door. You're thinking, hey, I'm not going to let anything come through the TV screen that could damage my family. I'm not going to let anything come through the internet that could damage them. I'm I'm listening to my children's conversation and saying, who are they interacting with? Are these positive influences or negative influences to care for? You know, and I'm not just meeting their financial needs. I know one of the biggest needs that we have as humans is to feel loved. So do my children feel loved? 
So I, I, I want to give you three things I'm doing in family time in the afternoon. Okay, many of you, if you don't have families, that you will have a family. So let me just give you some ideas of what I'm doing. First of all, right when I get home, I jump into activities with my children. Okay, I want to engage with them. I, I don't want to be the dad that is remembered as just coming on and uh, putting on Sports Center and just zoning out, right? I want to be engaged. So I go out, whatever sport we're playing, whether it's soccer or baseball, I'm jumping in with them. We're playing in the front yard. Then we go in for dinner. I want to tell you, healthy families eat together. If you're living with roommates, I want to encourage you. Okay, if you're, if you're single right now, raise your hand. I want to encourage you. That's great. We want to encourage you to create families around you. So don't just eat by yourself. Don't just pick up a Cali burrito while you're driving your car. I know sometimes we need to do that. But take time to create family around you. We desperately need that for our hearts. I'm sitting down with my family as many nights as we can. And for all you that are going to be married and have family, I want to tell you, your dining room table is one of the most important places in your house. And we sit down around that dining room table And it's chaotic, and one kid's screaming, and the other kid is tripping and spilling their water, and then the dog's grabbing their food, and it's just mayhem. But I'm like, we are going to do it in Jesus' name. Moses saw the Red Sea parted. I can see quietness at this table for 30 seconds in Jesus' name. And, And we share a meal together. We grab hands. I do a little family devotional. Some of you are like, oh, man, I don't want to do family devotionals. My dad tried that. It was so boring. Guys, my family devotionals are like 45 seconds long. Okay, but you know what? The kids are getting a verse. There, we're all talking. We go around the table, tell what we're thankful for. We, we'll, we'll look at our globe and pray for one little country. I mean, literally, maybe a minute. But the kids are getting it. We're moving forward. And as they get older, we'll do a little more and a little more. But they're learning that discipline of, of family devotional. And then the last thing I do, so we've had some activity time. We've had some family dinner and devotional time. And then we work on homework together. You see, I want to develop my kids, as the scripture says, their heart, their soul, their mind, and their strength. And I'm thinking through this. I want to tell you, dads, be purposeful. The the people who do great things are almost always people who had coaches that were purposefully moving them forward. Nothing just happens in life. So men and women think purposely about Helping your family move forward. And you're thinking, Robert, you're so type A, you know. I'm just a chill king, you know. I want to tell you, I can chill with the best of them. But I know that I want to create world changers in my home. And so that comes with me having focus. Okay, now you're going to like this last one if you're a chill king. Okay, so let's move. Last part of the day. And, and this is a big deal. Uh, look at that. Isn't that a nice little tea and a little fireplace. I put this up here this morning because if you don't have a fireplace, you can just uh, put one on your DVD there. At the end of the day, it's time for personal restoration. If God rested, then you need rest. Okay? If God thought it was important to rest, then it must be important for us as his people to rest. Hebrews 3 actually talks about striving to enter into rest. Isn't that weird? Sometimes we have to fight to enter into rest. Because, you know, we've we just got the engine going and we're just going to, I'm just going to keep cranking all day long. I, if I just keep going and keep going and keep going. I remember a study uh, done in, in France when the Industrial Revolution 
started happening, and they took out a day of rest, and they thought, we're going to maximize our output by taking out a day of rest. And actually, output went down. Productivity went down. People started getting sick. All the animals they were using started dying. You can actually do more by doing less. Now, some of you got really excited about that. Now, you need to know yourself. (laughs) We need to have times of rest. And this is how we don't get burned out in life. I, I, I love my evenings. When I finally get the kids to bed, I, I, I don't want to just do work all day long. That's how you get burned out. That's how you get frustrated. So there's a time where you work really hard. That's why I'm, I'm emphasizing this seasonal way of living your day. Work really hard when you're at work. Don't procrastinate. Come home and really engage with your family. And then at the end of the day, you just pull that throttle back. Okay, I'm done. I'll hit it tomorrow. I know that sometimes you can't do that. And I know that there's different jobs in here. Some people work night shifts in here. And so you've got to think about how to do this yourself. What I'm talking about, though, is a way to make it over the long haul. I don't want you to just be a sprinter. I don't want you to just cram in life. But I want you to actually enjoy the rhythmic type of life that God's called us to. So at the end of the day, I get my little hot tea and I turn on, maybe, maybe during my workout, I was listening, you know, to Hillsong and I'm running, like just hopping down the beach running, you know, while I'm at the end of the day, I like to turn on Gregorian chants. I turn on classical music and it lets me start motoring down. You're getting your heart rate down. You're getting your blood pressure down. You're relaxing. This is yet another key for you guys that deal with insomnia. I, I deal with insomnia. The interesting thing is, though, you're, you're probably realizing this. A lot of my weaknesses are the reasons I've learned to live a balanced life like this. Because I couldn't just keep going. I couldn't just keep cranking. Because I would break down. So at the end of the day, this is a great time. Husbands and wives, this is a great time to connect. I'll often meet husbands and wives and say, how do you make time for each other? And I'll say, uh, don't turn on the TV. Um, to stop, get off Facebook, um, don't do email, and then you're just sitting there. And then you're like, hey, what's up, you know? <laughs> and it's amazing what that does for your marriage, right? Hey, what's up? Because typically if someone says, hey, what's up, then you answer. I'm like, uh, uh, not much, uh, it's a good day, you know? And you talk. That's, a, that's, that's a, uh, a needed ingredient these days is actually face-to-face talking. I'll drink a, drink a warm glass of chamomile tea and enjoy, I'll enjoy a book. And and maybe it's not even a book that's going to ramp me up, but it's just a book that I'm going to just be edified by. And I find that I just start relaxing and it keeps me from feeling like I'm on this constant hamster wheel. Have you ever seen those hamsters? I had a hamster growing up and it would, at the wrong time of day, it would just get on the wheel and go you know, I'm like, get off the wheel. You're not getting anywhere. I want to tell you, many of you feel like you're on that wheel. And and there's something about just at the end of the day, coming and sitting down and say, okay, I'm done with work. I'm done. I've I've given it my all. I'm done with work. I'm just going to rest. I'm just going to get refreshed. At the end of the day, I'll sit down, I'll drink my hot glass of tea. And then right before I go to bed, I'll step outside It'll be totally quiet. I'll just look up at the stars and thank God for another day. I'll try to connect with him again. 
And then I go to bed early, early. There, there's no better way to ruin tomorrow than lingering forever watching Nick at Night tonight, okay? There, I just, let me just say, look at your neighbor and say, early. Okay, now I want to tell you again, I'm a night person and there are nights to stay up late and celebrate, but I want to tell you, Going to bed early will bless your body. Your little body will go, thank you so much. When you go to bed early and then it lets you have another great day the next day. Okay, let me just tell you this. So, Robert, thanks for being our mom today, you're thinking. I want you to make it for the long haul. I want you to live out the destiny that God has put on your life. You guys, when you look at Olympic athletes, they didn't do it just by having a great idea. They didn't do it because one day some talent scout said, you're going to be great. They did it by living a rhythmic life, by having disciplines that they were committed to. So we're ending the sermon early today. I want you to look, hopefully you've taken notes. If you haven't, let's just, let's tell you four things. I want everyone to write these down because I'm going to ask you before the Lord to look at this and ask him what area you need help with. Number one, preparation time early in the morning. So write these down. Number one, preparation time early in the morning. Number two, work late morning to late afternoon. Three, family time. And four, restoration time or rest. Now look down at your sheet and Once again, church, we don't want to just be hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. So I just want to take a a couple moments in silence for you to ask the Lord. This This is how I do this. Whenever I get a truth that impacts me, then I take it and I say, Now, Lord, would you impress upon my heart what area you're wanting me to grow in? So now, just take a couple moments before the Lord to sit quietly and ask God, What's the area that I really need to be working on right now? We're going to take just a moment to do that in silence be quiet sirens jesus name we're gonna take it just a couple moments to do that and then we'll all pray together